This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the special edition of the NBA podcast. My name is Joe Bartle, and you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. Today, I sit down and talk with Frank Kaminsky of the Charlotte Hornets. We discuss his time with the Wisconsin Badgers, his love for video games, including Call of Duty, and of course, all the happenings that have went on so far in Charlotte, including the addition of Dwight Howard over the offseason. So sit back and enjoy this podcast with Frank the Tank Kaminsky. You know, I, I preface this this whole conversation by saying our offices are based in Madison, so I, I don't think there is a more joyous time in Madison than during that national championship run that you guys had your senior year. What was that whole experience like? Uh, it was it was a surreal experience, to be completely honest. Um, it's kind of like one of those things when you're in the moment, you're not really thinking about it, but once you're done, you take a step back and you and you look at everything that you did and compare that to you know what a what another player's experience was like somewhere else in the NCAA and you realize you did some pretty incredible things that no one expected from from you so I mean I guess that's really hard to put into words but it's an amazing feeling I'm sure everyone brings up that win over Kentucky what was the conversation like before the game like before you guys actually tipped off um you know a lot of people had did not pick you guys to win that at all. I'm just curious what the conversation was like in the locker room. Um, well, I think it started after we lost to Kentucky my junior year. Um, I said after the game that we would be back in the Final Four and Kentucky was the team that we would want to play again because we knew we wouldn't be able to play them in the regular season the next year. Um So I'm the kind of person that I can't get over things very easily. Um, So I was just sitting there in the locker room. No one really needed to say much. They could just see it on my face that that's where I wanted to be and that was the team that we wanted to play. And we knew we were going to win that game from the second the ball was tipped. We just, uh, I mean, it just had that feeling where we knew we were going to win. 
do you talk to any of the Kentucky guys now in the NBA about that game and, and kind of you know give them crap or whatever? Um, here and there, you know, you run into guys. You know, obviously Kentucky has so much turnover in their program. There's so many Kentucky people in the NBA, so you kind of forget which. Well, I won't forget, but there's so many people that were on Kentucky that you know. I had a team that I my my rookie year and into my soft my second season I played with. Uh, Aaron Harrison, and I didn't really talk to him about it much, just a couple things here and there. You know, when it was brought up around the locker room or something like that. But, I mean, all those people know what happened, so you don't really need to talk about it much. <laughs> That's fair. One last Wisconsin question, because I have to. Uh, we talked about all the great things, but like, what was one of your biggest regrets during your time in Wisconsin? You know, I'm not sure I really have any regrets. Um you know, obviously I would have liked to have won the national title. That's something that will always stick with me in the back of my mind. But, um, you know, when you really think about it, no one expected, you know, what I did for me. You know, not even my parents, not even my friends, not really anyone in my family, anyone in Wisconsin. So to do something that no one expected and, and to get to a level where I'm at right now, um, you know, it's really hard to have any regrets about that kind of stuff. Let's talk about a different level that you're at, uh, that being your Twitter game, which I believe, and, and maybe put me on record here, is one of the best Twitter accounts in all of the NBA. You recently tweeted uh, you're going to start a movie review website called Did This Movie Suck? And the ratings go from 10 to Kingsman 2, Kingsman 2 being zero. So what are some other movies, in your opinion, that are just uh, that are on that same level as Kingsman 2? Uh, the Big Friendly Giant was terrible. <laughs> Um, you, can't, you had that answer the new the of your head. <laughs> I, I trust me, I have all this. The new uh, Independence Day, the second one that came out, that movie was terrible. That's fair. That's um, fair. Did you like the original? One? I was actually, that one spoiled? I actually, yeah, I really liked the original. That's why that one was so bad. And then I've heard good things. I went to the new Blade Runner, but I didn't even know it was a sequel until I got there. So I actually ended up leaving, and I have to watch the first one. But then I'm going to go back and watch it, and then I'll give my honest review. But it was tough without any context to go into that movie. So you felt like the Blade Runner was you had to see the first one in order to see the second one? Yeah. Well, that's the thing for me. Once I found out, like I Googled it while I was in the movie theater and figured out that there was, like, I knew there was, I knew there was a, like a, a way earlier Blade Runner, but I didn't know that it was necessarily like a sequel to that. So like, there were a lot of things like happening that I just wasn't like understanding and not getting like, and that, so I looked it up on my phone. I was like, yeah, this is the sequel. So I was like, all right, well, I got to go. I'm the kind of person I'm kind of like a perfectionist in that way. Like I hate <laughs> seeing things out of context. Like I, I can't watch episode two before I watch episode one. So I have to go back and, watch the first one before I go back and see it. That's a cultural classic. How did, how did you make it through your whole life till this point without seeing Blade Runner? Um, I don't know. What, what, when was it made? Like 19, oh, it's what? Be, I don't even know. I feel like, you know, and I'm around the same. It was like the eighties, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's gotta be the eighties. And the only reason I saw it was because of science fiction class that I took in college. So I guess I, I probably shouldn't be giving you too much crap, but to me that I feel like you have to see that one. Yeah. I mean, I just never have. You know, I've never gone back and watched that movie. So I've seen so many movies, though. So it is kind of surprising I haven't seen it. 
Uh, my favorite movie of all time is Gladiator. Oh, Russell Crowe? Yes. Okay. That is a fantastic movie. I, I feel like this And then it's followed by... System. Yeah, there we go. What's some other ones? It's followed by The Dark Knight Rises. Classic, yep. The second one. Is it just... That's just The Dark Knight, right? Yeah, The Dark Knight. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and then followed, that's followed by Shawshank Redemption. Ooh, okay. All right, so kind of more into those action thriller movies, it seems like. Yeah, I'm really into... I love action thriller movies. I also love, I love a good story. Okay. When, when a movie has a good comedy. story... You're so funny. Good. I just thought that's where I was going to go with the comedies. Yeah, I can be, like, obviously, I consider comedy a subset. Like, there's very few comedy movies that are actually, like, good movies when you sit down. Like, there's a lot of movies that can make you laugh, but not necessarily that are good movies. All right, that's fair. I, I, I don't know. I view, I, view comedies in a, I view comedies in a completely different light than I view other movies. I'm, I, it sounds like you already have this movie review website down pat. Like, you could just do it yourself. I don't think we need anybody else. Yeah, but that's the thing. I want it to be anonymous, and I have to have another board of people that are also writing, so you won't know which one's mine and which one's other people. Because you know, in the in the age of sensitive media, if I start using bad words or something like that, like saying this movie was blank, um, people might not be happy. But if it's a group of people and they don't know who's saying what, then they can never accuse me of saying it. I see. I see hype behind that keyboard in there. I get it. I, I'm right on board with you. If you need, a, exactly. if you need somebody to join you with that, I'll, I'll definitely put my name in the hat. <laughs> yeah, you can. We'll have a formal application process once <laughs> once the site is up and running. That's fantastic. Uh, let's touch on Call of Duty a little bit. That's that's part of the reason why we're we're talking here today. Um, I have to imagine that as a college student, you played that quite a bit. It was that like the game to play um at wisconsin or was there other ones that you were into like i guess what's your favorite call of duty 2 is another question i had wrapped up yeah there were there were really there were really two games that i was into and it was in college and it was call of duty and uh fifa and when i wasn't playing my roommate in call of duty and i was playing video game or playing my roommate in fifa i was playing call of duty by myself so we had an xbox and two ps4s (laughs) so we had unlimited places to play video games was that are you more of a multiplayer guy or do you get into the campaign you're talking about the story i could see you being a campaign guy um i'm not really necessarily a campaign guy because i just want to get online i love like the ranking up and i love getting new guns i love playing against other people um you know i'm big into you know even now like i'll get a group of friends online at night and just play for like two or three hours at a time what was the that's just that's what I've always done. I never prestiged once. I don't like prestiging because like I don't like starting it over. Once I get no, because I once I get the guns, I don't want to go back to base one. All right, no, that's that's fair. Okay, I mean that's definitely a subset of people that do that. That surprises me. I thought that you'd want the challenge each time around, but no, we're gonna we're sticking at level fifty-five or sixty or whatever. No, because yeah, because once you think about it, you put in all those times to get all those guns. And then you just got to start over again. I don't like doing that. What was the one that you put the most time into? I'm, I'm guessing Black Ops 3 kind of around that time would have been... Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I put a lot of time into a lot of... All the quality of the games. 
probably the most I put the most time into was the first the first one I really ever played online, which was Call of Duty Four. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I put I used to that was I think my freshman year in high school, and I didn't have any friends. I didn't have a life, but I had an Xbox and I had internet. <laughs> so that's all the friends you need. Yeah, I mean every every day after school I played that game. You were talking about how you get together with people now and play. Is that uh, Call of Duty a game that's played a lot in the locker room, or is it kind of just from you know people outside? Uh, it's it, it's more it's more my friends from back home in college. Um, you know, obviously being in an NBA locker room, there's some older people that don't play video games and stuff like that. There's obviously some nerds like myself that love playing video games, but, um, a vast majority of players in NBA locker rooms just like playing like 2k and stuff like that. I've never been really into it. I love, I love action shooting games. Those are my favorite. Even uh, even after you've gotten in the NBA, you haven't been much a much of a two K guy. No, I hate I hate playing with myself in a video game. <laughs> I don't like it. I did it once, and I haven't done it since. Okay, all right. I'm curious though, like with all this, I, I do esports uh, stuff on the side too, and there's a lot of different NBA teams now getting into esports. Whether it is the two K league, um, even like the Cavaliers earlier today announced that they had purchased a, a stock in League of Legends. I'm not quite sure how familiar you are with that game, but I know that there are definitely people in the NBA that have uh, really been big proponents of that. Do you follow esports scene much at all? I do. So I was teammates with Jeremy Lin yes. my rookie year, and he is that. he's big into he's big into Dota. So um, I had never seen anything about. I honestly didn't know anything about esports, and then he started telling me about how there's a team that he sponsors and um, how he plays the game and all of his friends are super into it and how it's like Dota is supposedly like the biggest video game out there, like most players or something. I'm not no, exactly no, that's, that's sure. Not I'm that's correct. Uh, based worldwide that has one yeah. of the biggest followings as a MOBA game. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did is I went and watched the documentary. Um, I think oh. it was called free to play. Yes. And after that, it was kind of like an eye-opening experience. And ever since then, I've kind of paid attention to more and more about all the games. Um, you know, I see athletes are starting to invest in esports and how it's becoming big and how they sell out big theaters for people to come and watch. And it's all it's all pretty crazy to me that you know what was you know I can st- and, and they touch on it in the, in the documentary when. You know, I'd sit in my room until three o'clock in the morning playing video games, and my mom would come barging in, hearing me screaming at it, <laughs> yelling at me to shut it off, or she'd take the controllers or take the power cord and hide it and stuff like that. And there was such a bad stigma around playing video games, and now it's exploding, and everyone loves watching it. It's pretty crazy how that's happened. Have you been to any live events? I'm thinking, like, you know, Jeremy Lin, you discussed uh, big into Dota 2. The International is routinely the biggest. Uh, um, esports event live esports event of the year i think this prize pool was 26 million on the line for the teams invited to that so have you been to a live esports event before i never have um you know to be completely honest you know i i don't really know many of the games that are being played um because i play the games like you know i'm sure I, i know i've seen there's call of duty ones and that would be cool to go see um but other than that, those other games, you know, I don't really know much about them because I've personally never played them. So that's the difference with me. Um, 
but yeah, if there was a big call of duty event, like somewhere where I'm at, you know, I'd love to go see that because I know there's probably some pretty crazy stuff that happens in those games. I'll have to shoot you a tweet next time we're at the call of duty world championships. That's it's, it's an absolute blast. And I think that you, especially being a COD guy and so into it, you would, you would have a blast of that too. Yeah. You know, I get destroyed by the people that are in those things. <laughs> well, that's not what <laughs> but, it's about, though. You just enjoy the experience. You don't have to play them. It's okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to sit there and watch. That'd be cool. You know, I watch so much sports right now. It's, it's the same thing. There's strategy involved. There's good players. There's bad players. There's, you know, a best player. There's a person that gets hot in the tournament. All that stuff. No, it's it's the same as regular sports, just in a different, just in its own different way. Absolutely. I mean, let's let's talk about regular sports for a second. Probably the area that you're most comfortable in. Um, you were drafted by the Hornets. Michael Jordan owns the team. How many conversations have you had with him? Uh, a lot. Yeah, he's around a lot. Um, you know, he is very involved in the team and what's happening. Um, you know, he's. And he's a basketball guy, so he's going to be around win, lose, trying to rebuild, trying to do whatever. Um, you know, he's it's his team, and he treats it that way. I got to ask, like, what's the funniest conversation you've had with Michael Jordan? Um, I don't. I don't think the the funniest conversation. I think it's the funniest thing that happened. Okay. Um, right. You know, when my mom when my mom met MJ for the first time. Um, he gave her a kiss on the cheek and my, I could just, I could see it in my mom's face. She was so, cause we're from Chicago. Yeah. So my mom was, my mom was big during the whole bulls run and the championships and everything. And she obviously, she used to buy me all the Jordan shoes when I was younger. And, um, you know, so when MJ gave her that kiss on the cheek, I could see something in her face just changed and we were walking back, uh, we're leaving to go, and she said, "I'm, I'm never gonna wash this cheek again." <laughs> I was like, and uh, I just started laughing because uh, you know great. I could tell it was a big moment for her. Oh, that's great. What What was the biggest moment for you? Like that, I'm in the NBA now moment. Oh, uh, the first game. Um, I think that's everyone's. I'm in the NBA now moment. Um, you know, when you get drafted and everything, it still it still seems kind of unreal. But then once you play in that first game, it's kind of everything materialized. Uh, you've played on, well, I mean, really the biggest of stages, both in your collegiate career and uh, in the NBA. Obviously, we talked about the Final Four a little bit earlier. You made the playoffs with the Hornets. Um, were, were the experiences similar? Was the playoffs more intense? I'm curious kind of the atmosphere and aspect of both those in, in comparison? Uh, they're different. Um, obviously, like the Final Four, you play in front of like 70,000 people in a football stadium. Um, there's no really other basketball venue that has anything like that. But the playoffs in the NBA, is it was it was weird for me the first time because you we played the same team seven times in a row, and I've never done that in any sport before. So... Um, they're, they're completely different, but the intensity of the games is all the same. Um, you know, just the way from the approach of the game to the way the game is played, it's just added. It's, it's the highest level, the highest intensity level of basketball there is. You've added Dwight Howard to the team this year, uh, and you've been on record very recently, too, saying he's got plenty left in the tank. What does he provide to your team? 
Uh, he provides a lot. He provides a, a presence in the middle of the floor. Um, you know, his shot blocking, rebounding, his strength. You know, he's got to be the strongest basketball player I've ever been around. Just, you know, his ability to to physically dominate people is pretty pretty insane to me. So having a guy like him just helps our team out in a lot of different ways. I have this vision that Dwight Howard just, when he's not on the basketball court, he's he's uh, pumping iron. I don't know, like seven, eight hours a day. Is that is that what it ends up being like uh, at the practice facility, or is it a little bit different? Um, not quite seven or eight hours, but he does <laughs> he does work very hard. You know, he's gotten that strong for a reason. Your skill set a little bit different than Dwight Howard, being the fact that you've kind of been able to expand past the perimeter, um, and that really coincides with the NBA's emphasis on three point shooting, especially in recent years. So it's almost crazy timing how that's all been working out, but. What are your thoughts on that, uh, your ability to shoot outside and kind of being, I don't want to say a lone ranger at that aspect, because there's plenty of big guys in the NBA that can do that, but one of the better ones in the NBA at that specific skill set? Um, well, it's becoming a make-or-miss league. Um, you can either make shots or you, or you don't. Um, and, you know, to be successful in the league, you got to make them. So, um, you know, it's something I've always worked on, something that, you know, I didn't start out thinking, hey, the NBA is going to eventually move to three-point shooting big men. I, obviously, I didn't know that when I started playing basketball. But, um, you know, it's just something I've always done and something I've always been comfortable doing. So, um, you know, I, like you said, it's just good timing, and I'm lucky that it's, it's moved, to that, moved to that kind of style of play. Is there a certain player either previously or in the NBA now that you kind of patterned your game off of? I can think of a few comparisons off the top of my head, but I always find it interesting to ask the athletes who they think they are they most resemble both in current NBA and, and kind of what they were idolizing in the past. Um, you know, I, I always idolized players like Tim Duncan and Dirk Nowitzki when I was growing up. Um, uh, I was just always fascinated. You know, I knew I was going to be tall from a from a young age. So, um, you know, just other tall guys in the NBA were just easy to identify with. Um, you know, as I got older and, and became better and better at basketball, I started pulling things from their games that I could try to add to my game. Um, just, you know, their moves, you know, their tendencies, things they like to do. So um, those are the two guys that have had a big influence on me. Did you get a chance to talk with Dirk Nowitzki or Tim and kind of, you know, try to get pointers for them or anything? Or how does that go, uh, pre-game talks with the opposing team? Yeah, I mean, you you talk to players, but, you know, obviously pre-game, um, most people are locked in and you're about to go up against that person for 48 minutes. Right. Um, and these are the most intense guys in the world, like, will take everything they can from you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, you so, get to be in that position so you say hello to these people and yeah, you say hello to these people and, you know, but, you know, like I said, you know, I grew up idolizing them. So, you know, I'm not going to go and, and try to downplay them. I'm just going to try to go out there and play better than them and steal their moves at the same time. <laughs> uh, I, I know you got to run pretty quickly, but I'm curious what are some goals that you have for this season being your third one in the NBA? Uh, well, I want to, I want to be a, a contributor on a team that goes far in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to make the playoffs as a rookie and last year uh, was rough for us. We didn't, we didn't play to expectations. So this year, just want to get back and go even further than I did two years ago.
With the conferences being so lopsided, it feels like in talent, I feel like you guys have a good shot. Do you do you ever kind of be thankful that there's so many Western teams uh, spilling blood over there, or is it kind of like a I wish that they were more um, super teams over in the East? Um, it's tough. Um, you know, obviously players make decisions now on where they want to go, and uh, with the increased popularity of the sport, um, obviously everybody likes to sit there and pick apart every team and say this team's better on paper than that team. But in the, in the NBA, any team can beat any team on any given night. So, um, you know, while the West is pretty loaded and pretty stacked, um, you know, I, I still think when it gets down to it, there'll be a lot of games and, and the finals will be good this year again. Frank, I appreciate the time so much. I know you got a busy day going on, so it was great to get a chance to talk to you and, uh, relive the, the glory days, so to speak with Wisconsin. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.